All right, we are back with another episode of Pieced Off, the Ski Racers podcast, and we've been known to deviate from uh, from deviate from the course, should I say? Uh, but tackling topics that are certainly relevant to what it is that we're doing in the ski racing community, and one of those things is kind of the latest and greatest, the newest ideas that are kind of being pushed forward right now, and. Luckily, we've got the uh, Frontiers woman on that, Lindsay Mann, who uh, I biasly will admit is in SVSEF here with us in Sun Valley, but um, her impact across the United States uh, as a coach and as a touring guide is also uh, remarkable and well-known. But we're here to talk about the, basically, what we're doing culturally uh, in terms of mountain awareness, mountain safety, moving forward from essentially the events that occurred and sold in years ago that uh, I'd rather um, look past right now, and, and that's what we're doing today. And so we all know the circumstances of events that occurred. Um, I don't necessarily need to touch upon my emotion or, any, or our emotions on that because we're all well aware, and um, I think... Um, you know, healing has occurred and, or is occurring, hopefully, um, you know, and, and speaking for others is not necessarily in our best interest. Uh, but that being said, from that event, uh, occurred, uh, this brass foundation has been established who is in conjunction working with us ski and snowboard influencing them on how we educate mountain safety, mountain awareness, um, and then furthermore, uh, at SVSEF, uh, again, biasedly, we are um, kind of being these front runners of trying to implement some of these things and creating this culture within the ski racing community at our home clubs. So basically, we're going to touch upon those three topics or uh, subjects that I just mentioned. But to begin with, Lindsay. Hello. <laughs> Please, uh, why don't you why don't you st- st- uh, first by kind of introducing yourself and kind of where your roles lie in all of these pieces? So, like Taco said, we grew up on the East Coast, ski racing against each other. So we've known each other throughout really our whole evolution of our skiing careers, and have seen each other grow. Um, but yeah, East Coast ski racer went to GMVS for my junior and senior year of high school. Then went on to race for Dartmouth, um, and the highlight of my career at Dartmouth was that my senior year we won NCAA's, and so I feel pretty lucky. And that was at UNH, wasn't it? It was, yep, yeah, at Atash, um, UNH hosting, and so we were on the East Coast when we won, and it was my senior year. So I feel like I'm a pretty lucky person that I ended the sport on such a high note. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was really, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to continue racing after college. Um, But because, you know, I ended on such a high note, the clear choice, at least in my mind, was to stay involved in ski racing. And so that led me to getting into coaching and getting my first coaching jobs in Colorado. And kind of simultaneously to getting into coaching, um, I had some friends from college who had that point had already started mountain guiding and had way more experience in the mountains than I did 
And I started talking to them and said, you know, I like being outside. <laughs> I like suffering a little bit. Obviously, we all do as, you know, snow sport athletes. And, you know, what do I need to do if I want to get into the mountain guiding side of things? Um, and so, I don't know, I guess it was about 10 years ago now, I left J3JOs when it was that and flew out to Washington State and interviewed with Rainier Mountaineering Incorporated, a guide service based in Washington, and then flew back to coach for the remainder of J3JOs <laughs> and ended up getting my first guiding job. Um, and through getting that guiding job with RMI, it opened up a lot of doors to getting into ski guiding, um, getting into avalanche education. And over, you know, since I would say in the past five years, you know, I had these two seasonal jobs before that of coaching in the winter, guiding in the summer. And really in the past five years, I thought, you know, I'm moving to a place where I would like to have a more year round job. And, you know, started thinking about what that looked like in my head. Um, and when I was coaching in Jackson prior to move, moving to Sun Valley, I had some discussions with Ryan Krill about how we could kind of combine my two worlds of, and two interests specifically of like coaching and youth avalanche education. And that really evolved into then talking to Scotty and Will and then, you know, last fall bringing me on and saying, okay, you're an assistant USSA coach or U16 coach. And then you also kind of have free reign to develop more of these mountain awareness programs. And they kind of just left me alone a lot <laughs> <laughs> in my desk by the bathroom. And I check in with them every once in a while. And, you know, talking to Taco and the rest of the SVSEF staff, it has really evolved to a lot more than I thought it was going to be. I, I agree year. with that. This has certainly kind of stemmed into something pretty uh, outstanding in our opinion. Yeah, and it's led me to, you know, get involved with the Brass Foundation. It kind of gave me a stronger platform to stand on and approach them and say, okay, this is what we're trying to do in Sun Valley. How can we combine efforts? Which then, through the Brass Foundation, led to them, you know, talking to me more about what was going on kind of behind the scenes and projects that they were working on which led to a lot more conversations with, you know, Tiger Shaw and Gar Trainer at U.S. Ski and Snowboard, um, which, you know, led to some kind of individual projects that I think we're going to talk about more in this podcast throughout last winter and this spring. Um, and it just seems like it's a very timely topic right now, both in the avalanche field of, you know, how can we be doing a better job with youth avalanche education? Mm -hmm just in general, and then also, you know, in the snow sport community, and for sure in the ski racing community is, okay, we're recognizing that there is a need for this, um, and the Brass Foundation is a huge reason that people are recognizing that need, and now we've gotten a lot more to a point where we can say, here are some tools, and here are some resources of kind of how to solve that need, because it's always, you know, hard when you say, okay, this is a problem, we have no idea who to talk to about this or like how to move forward. And I think that's where both Brass Foundation, U.S. Ski and Snowboard um, and being involved with those organizations, we've made a lot of steps forward in the past year. Uh, I think 
what you just said right there touched upon something that I've always kind of I realized in my coaching career is that you know the difference between you know a good coach and quote unquote a shitty coach is a shitty coach can bitch all day about what's wrong um, and I certainly have been that person but then Me too. when you wake <laughs> yeah when you wake but when one day you wake up and you go well where's this getting me a good coach or a good or a leader is going to go and explore solutions and they don't have to be right but if it means getting together with the right minds and exploring it further so that you can boil it down to something that actually it will be effective you know that's that's the difference that's the difference you know getting involved finding those solutions and you don't have to be right but you have to be willing to have an open mind to seek out that information that can help in time develop that that's my personal opinion anyway so i think you know you started you started from the ground floor and worked your way up i want to start up and then work our way down to the gra- the back down to the ground floor so Tell me about your the, uh, the Brass Foundation and your involvement there. I know there, there's a great article that uh, is was in Ski Racing last year, um, but that was in, in in terms of how this project has evolved. That was kind of a long time ago now. Yeah. So really, you know, a year ago, I or more than a year ago, I started talking to the Brass Foundation, um, and you know, through East Coast ties. It was easy to get in touch with Steve Burlack um, and Cindy Burlack because, um, you know, my dad stood on the hill a lot mm-hmm. with Steve and I think ran into him at a U.S. Ski and Snowboard fundraising event and was like, oh, you know, Lindsay, you should really talk to Steve. So I started talking to Steve and Cindy probably a year and a half ago and just said, like, what can I do to help? And I think at that point we both weren't totally sure how we could fit and help each other, but like that opened the door. Um, and then last fall we started talking a lot more and I kind of approached Cindy and Steve and then through being in the West, I've gotten to know the Astles as well and said, you know, we don't have a lot of data on how U.S. ski and snowboard membership is interacting with the backcountry, side country and inbounds. Like are they, are, what age are kids going in the background, in the backcountry? Mm-hmm. You know, are they going in the side country? What gear are they carrying? What is their level of avalanche education? So I created this survey that we sent out to U.S. Ski and Snowboard membership. And then through a lot of help, you know, Will Brandenburg was super helpful. Um, you were helpful. All the coaches in SVSEF were helpful too of then like spreading the word even more of like, hey, yeah, you got this email. Could you actually fill out the survey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and having those personal ties and those side conversations that were going on on the hill helped me to get, you know, the responses that I did, which, you know, they're still not huge, but it's a great start. Um, so we got 1,200 responses to this survey, and I was most interested in um, the athletes and coaches' responses. And basically the, what that showed us is that, um, you know, a lot of people, and in the general response that was, was that 49% of the respondents had no avalanche training. You know, that's coaches, athletes, all disciplines. What constituted, in, in, in terms of the survey, what constituted training? like? So we had, for the survey, we said, you know, there was a specific question, like, what is your level of avalanche training? No avalanche training, avalanche awareness, 
And then in parentheses, you know, one to two hour classroom presentation. Um, another option was avalanche awareness with with field session. So these were all different different selections. So you could see specifically, you know, are you aware of it through a cultural deal? Are you aware of it through actual classroom? Do you have an AVI one, two, or three? Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is a pretty clear indicator to you. Yeah, and we know. So that you're I, saying that other fifty. I'm sorry to cut you off, yeah. but that you're saying that other fifty. Would you say forty nine percent had none? Mm -hmm. So you're saying fifty one percent had somewhere between a cultural understanding from either just living where they are, all the way through classroom to Abby, Abby, Abby stuff. Yeah, hmm. and the majority of them um, of that like fifty one percent that said. Yeah, I've done something. You know, I know yeah. something about this. Right. I've had some sort of some person come in and say like, "Hey, you know, anything from like, what is an avalanche to here's where you get the avalanche forecasts." You know, the majority of them have had just some sort of type of avalanche awareness training. Okay. Which is a decent start. Like, I don't didn't look at these numbers and was like, "Oh, this is horrible." Right. It's. Really, the purpose of this survey was to just get a baseline. Um, and the reason I'm bringing up this survey is then I ended up presenting on the results of this survey at Congress in conjunction with the Utah Avalanche Center. So like we were just talking about is we wanted to use this survey as a baseline. Then in talking with Brass and U.S. Ski and Snowboard, which then involved the Utah Avalanche Center, we wanted to create some sort of a solution to kind of this problem, which the problem being that we see that the snow sport community, specifically U.S. Ski and Snowboard membership, needs more education in this realm. So create a solution to that problem. And then by having this baseline survey, we want to go back in a year or two and resend out this survey so that we have a way to measure if this is a success. You know, like as coaches, we get that all the time in training. You set a crummy course or you set a great course, but brushes or whatever aids in the wrong place. And you're like, this isn't working. So you move it. Right. right. And it's like instant feedback. You know, with this, some of these bigger projects, we're not going to get instant feedback. So we are doing these surveys and then want to repeat these surveys so that we have some way to measure, like, is this effective? And then obviously, like the secondary effect of all this, too, is that people are talking about it more, which in my mind too, just, you know, the fact that we're doing this podcast, the fact that um, I was asked to present at Coaches Excellence this spring, you know, the conversations that I was having with coaches from different regions in the hallway at Congress, you know, is all a huge step in the right direction. You know, those conversations weren't happening three or four years ago. You know, the fact that, you know, I was at a D team camp with Sasha just before um, Congress and you know he asked me to talk to the boys just about kind of like mountain safety and like general avalanche stuff and really mountain awareness so like the conversation piece too obviously I think is a big success that we're having these conversations but the survey kind of measures that so what the Utah Avalanche Center presented on with me is so we've been brass Utah Avalanche Center and USC and snowboard we've been working on creating a online module that, and I hope people aren't rolling their eyes out there, similar to SafeSport, people will have to do this online module. 
Well, <laughs> I mean, similar to Safe Sport in that what it's interactive, like you can't get away with just clicking next. Yeah, and it, it will be required next fall in order to get your coaching license through U.S. Ski and Snowboard. I don't, I don't have a problem so, with that at um, all. Thanks. Yeah. And I think it will be fun, like what I've seen at the Utah Avalanche Center, what they've produced in the past, and you know some of the behind the scenes that I've seen. I think it will be really useful. And kind of the the big message that I've or voice that I've kind of tried to have in creating this is that recognizing who our demographic is, mm-hmm. right? Like these are people and athletes and coaches that like our primary job is to get our athletes to reach their full potential, whether it's in snowboard, Nordic, Alpine, you know, whatever it is. We want them to have, like, be good people, Yeah. you know, learn those life lessons, but also, you know, reach their athletic potential and enjoy the sport and challenge them and be pushed. And we get a lot of training of, like, you know, how to set up BNET, how to make the, you know, training and competition arenas safe, mm-hmm. you know, if you will. But where we're lacking training, I think, and where this, you know, module we hope like educates people more is, you know, what happens when you're outside the competition or training arena, still inside the gates. You know, I think that's an area where we can have more training. And then especially, you know, we travel all over the world too with these athletes and, you know, stuff's different in Europe, stuff's different in South America. And depending, too, on the time of years that they're going, there are different hazards that we deal with that we don't deal with in the U.S., you know, versus Europe. Like, this time of year, groups going over to Europe, like, it can be crevasses. You know, it might not be avalanches. And so what I really push for in this model is recognizing who the community is. And obviously, there's a lot of, like, things from the backcountry that we can take and apply to inbounds practices and, you know, just giving pieces of backcountry knowledge, but really kind of focusing on, like, where do you get an avalanche forecast? Where do you get it in the U.S.? You know, if you're an East Coast coach that's taking a group of kids out West and you're hearing, like, whoa, it's been a crazy avalanche cycle in the West. You know, like, what does that mean? Or, or we're just for, getting a ton of powder. Great, yeah. let's go ski pow. But, like, hey, wait a minute. It's not it's just because there's pow on the ground doesn't mean you, you can go and shred it. Right. And, like, you know, closures are different the way that ski areas do it in East Coast versus West. Mm-hmm. Even amongst, like, West Coast ski areas, there's, like, different open gate policies and, like, really making sure that like coaches and athlete understands what that means. But then also like when you go to Europe, like how do you get that information? Like how is skiing in Europe different than the U S how is like some of that stuff different because you know, as coaches, the more tools that we can have. And a lot of times too, the more that we can say like, no, we can't ski off piece and you can sometimes displace the blame. So you can say like, I would love to go and take you there. But you guys, I can't because of this, this, and this. And like you kind of have support right. in some of those decisions where like right now I think the biggest thing is you don't always have that support in some of those situations or something to fall back on. Right. You know, so it can get gray and then you can get pushed by like our wanting to have good snow and our wanting to have like fun with the kids. So really this module is like a huge step I think in the right direction and it's going to be rolled out in the next month or two um, and then will be required 
for you to do before you renew your membership next year, next uh, season? Uh, uh, you know, and, I, and, and it's funny because I think about I think about how this incorporates, you know, and 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 I guess this is a point being made to anybody who would feel resistance towards this, but you know. There's a really big push, both, uh, uh, you know, you, you think about nationally right now, getting back to, uh, and we've talked about it on this show quite a bit, but there's a big push to get well-rounded athletes again, playing multiple sports, not just specializing anymore. Um, but at the same time, in our sport, you know, there is a pre- pretty big push to continue to create well-rounded skiers. Not just, you know, banging in plastic all day, you know, being a good, well-rounded skier. You look at the best skiers that we produce and they're all in Warren Miller films as well. And they're all in um, just as passionate about getting in the backcountry as, you know, any of pro skiers that you see on these TGR films, you know. So to me, and, and part of the other thing you, to, about being a coach and kids reaching their potential i mean there's a small percentage that's going to actually end up you know achieving the biggest dreams of possible and the, and dreams somewhere along the lines evolve you know i mean i've got goal sheets from u14s who are like i want to use ski racing their literal end game is and i was looking even reading this last night going through some stuff uh their end game is to evolve into the best all-mountain skier they can possibly become well, you know, it is our responsibility to make sure that they have an awareness at a young age of what that means. I mean, just from a cultural standpoint here in Sun Valley, that's a big part of who we are and a big part of of how we evolve as people and skiers here. And, you know, prior to your arrival, I had to combat kids making really irresponsible decisions because we have so much lift access backcountry um, and it's frightening. And, you know, that, that, that in there told me just year number one, being a little bit naive to this crap, even I've got to do a better job with trying to get these kids to understand it. And part of it was I hadn't quite fully evolved and grasped what was going on, both as a culture, backcountry, safety, et cetera, et cetera. So whether, and, and, and then furthermore, you know, we talked about it prior to hit and record here is with the gear uh, evolving, um, there is no doubt that that touring and uh, getting outside of the, the boundaries is becoming ever more popular because of the evolution of equipment, the ease of it. Uh, it's starting to trend, just the trend of it in general. I just don't know how anybody who's putting on skis and is making a passionate lifestyle out of this doesn't get on board with something like that. You know what I mean? So to me, yeah, this makes like and, coaches and compared and, to safe sport, this is kind of lighthearted. Yeah. <laughs> well, and coaches and athletes, right? As like all of us coach because we're still we still want to be engaged in the sport of skiing. Yeah. Right, and that's that takes people different places, but you look at some of the people you've interviewed in this podcast, like you said, but like, you know, Griffin Post, Marcus Caston, right? You know, I work for Keely Kelleher too, and run mm-hmm. backcountry camps for her and work for her race camps also. But, you know, there's just like a lot of coaches too that I think have a desire to get more knowledge on this. And um, 
like genuinely want the information and we just know how busy we all get in the winter um, with our coaching schedules but then you like get the temptation but you don't really know and so a purpose of this whole module is like to just help everyone get a foot in the door and then you know if a coach wants to go on and take a level one or go on and take a level two you know like in Sun Valley for example like that's really hard to do. It's really hard to take a level one avalanche course with a coach's schedule, right? Mm-hmm. So like one thing we've worked to do here is to create a level one course for coaches, which we're lucky here, SVSEF helps subsidize. Um, but that it's on days of the week where it works with a coaching schedule so that you're not missing work, you know? Right. So it kind of gives that access. The Brass Foundation has done, you know, those courses too, um, more specifically trying to get U.S. ski and snowboard coaches in those um, level one classes. But, you know, trying to schedule them at a time of year in, like, any club, you know, like, across the country. And this is, like, kind of one, I think, good thing that hopefully came out of, like, my presentation at Excellence or comes out of conversations on the Hill. Like, you know, I can help you guys figure it out because a lot of times it's just not knowing who to ask, right? Yeah. You have the question, but you don't know who to ask to get the answer or to start problem solving. And so that's where I hope that like to any coaches out there, you know, beyond SBSEF, you know, that I can help being a resource and, you know, brass is much more working on like policies and influencing us ski and snowboard. And so I feel like I'm kind of a liaison between like brass, us ski and snowboard and the clubs Mm -hmm. to, to like help that. Um, And it's been good too, because, you know, like, these modules and stuff like the goal too is that hopefully there's bits and pieces of these modules that then we can like show the kids you know you're like whoa that was a really cool section like I want to go back and you know just give this 15 minute part and have them do the kids because like I know this is like the right verbiage and this is like the right way for it to be taught you know versus us relaying something second or third hand and I think that's like that's like a big reason too why the Utah Avalanche Center has been involved and, you know, has what has helped me too in my role is that one, I have Avalanche teaching certifications. So then for me to talk to them, there's at least a similar playing field of like, okay, yeah, I understand this curriculum. Can we do this? Can we adapt it? You know, it's the same thing. I have a a foot in the door and so I can ask certain questions and have a understanding of it from my experience. But then also, you know, what's been important to everyone is like, look, Utah Avalanche Center, they're professionals. Um, you know, they have some of the resources that Brass, U.S. Ski and Snowboard myself didn't have access to to create something like this. So then, you know, it made a lot of sense to combine with them. And that you, you mentioned you touched on something here uh, in terms of adapting it to the kids because one of the things that you've made me aware of in, 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 in reflection, having not thought about it, actually, now that I think about it, makes plenty of sense. I mean, this wasn't just a U.S. ski and snowboard, like, we've got to do this. this. We're actually front-running ski culture in general because every all these Abbey One classes and stuff that you, we were, you, you know, we've discussed and things that were available – we're all directed to adults signing up, taking time out of their weekends or, or work schedules to do. Nothing was really developed prior to this for children in general, right? So, so you know, in, this, in snow sport culture, 
in general, this 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 hasn't quite come to the front of come to the table or come to the front yet. Yes. So that's I mean, this isn't just so for for the audience listening. This isn't just like a U.S. ski and snowboard problem. This is everybody. Like this lack of awareness was everywhere. Yeah. So it's like you said, Taco, and like you alluded to before, right? Like, I mean, in the evolution of like our post collegiate years, you know, touring gear and touring equipment has become way more accessible. Mm -hmm. You know, we were at whatever rep night on Sunday and, you know, all the major brands now, or a lot of the major brands have a touring ski. Right. You know, and a, and, and they're a there at too. the buying day with right. the touring with stuff the touring as much ne right next to all the race gear. Um, you know, and that in itself is like something that's, you know, really changed. Like I don't even think you know, and it, you know, before that, it was them starting to showcase free skis mm -hmm. at those nights, you know, and now it's changed to touring skis too. So access, um, you know, just people being able to find gear that's small enough for them or, and ski as well enough, you know, we all know that too. There was that, you know, kind of like lightweight movement too. And now there's actually like good skis being made for the backcountry. There's light skis being made for the backcountry, but there is, you know, there's a lot more options for everyone out there now just in terms of gear um but then too you know beyond you know what's going on with u.s ski and snowboard and the brass foundation you know for me getting to talk to the utah avalanche center like we know that and you know avalanche professionals across the u.s you know in i would say the past like five-ish years there's more and more avalanche forecasting centers or guide services that have said hey like we live in a mountain town, you know, we need to go into schools or we need to do some sort of like presentations for youth, Yeah. you know? And so there's, you know, like I said, people are going into schools, giving these presentations, um, you know, in the community school here, there's a lot of like avalanche curriculum. That's and and this is all still really culture. recent. Yeah. And this is pretty recent. And so kind of in these conversations that I was having with the Utah Avalanche Center just got me to thinking of like what you said, like this has been designed, this curriculum has really been designed for adults. We modify, we adapt it for kids, but we're kind of all doing that in our own little communities and our own little islands. And so this fall at the Utah Snow Avalanche Center for the first time that I know of and the first time that a lot of other avalanche professionals know of, um, we're getting together a group of, you know, avalanche professionals. So people from the Northwest Avalanche Center, people from the American Avalanche Institute, um, which is a course provider for level one, level two and courses, um, people from ARI, which is another course provider for avalanche education, you know, people from the Colorado Avalanche Information Center, people from the American Avalanche Association. Anyways, like a group of 15 or so people that are specifically doing these youth programs, we're going to get them together and, you know, create a forum where it's a formal setting where we can share ideas. And then out of that, we're hoping to come, you know, kind of some sort of best practices document of, you know, like, and also just some like tools and resources and also figure out like, what are areas where we need more resources, you know? And so can we, you know, start this network of talking to each other more, but also like, do we need to kind of shift some of the curriculum or do we need to look into developing, you know, more curriculum that happens before an avalanche one course, you know, that we're going into these schools. 
And I think, too, the, like, cool thing about all of this, like, youth avalanche curriculum and those topics specifically is it's all just going to make the adult curriculum better, right? Because we know, like, our mindset when we coach kids is depending on the age group of kids, you've got, like, between 5 or 15 minutes to, like, get your point across. 15 minutes, I think, is really generous, even at the U16 age, right? Like, you've got a short window to, like, get them engaged in you, get the point, and then they have to be doing something. Right, right? and a lot they of the, the choices, the, the feeling it or verbiage that you know is going to connect. And so, you know, it'd be like, uh, you know, you know, speaking uh, in, in terms of, like, a, a Clifford reading, a, a Clifford Big Red Dog Guide to Ski Racing versus <laughs> a Ron LeMaster book. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and so I think all these conversations within, like, the greater avalanche community that's happening or going to happen this fall um, is only going to make to adult avalanche education better because Mm -hmm. why do we expect that adults are going to sit and enjoy an hour-and-a-half presentation? Yeah, we can do it, right? and, you know, that's how we teach, but I think just more work in the youth development curriculum area and, like, more hands-on stuff, more just like outside-of-the-box type teaching is going to help that world. So there is like, you know, in the past year, like we talked about of me being in Sun Valley, um, you know, not only have we had some big changes happen within the U.S. ski and snowboard community because of the Brass Foundation, but then it's also led to kind of some more of these conversations happening across the country, and it I think it's a really cool area to be in or a time to be in um, because, you know, as we start doing this, like we have access as coaches to kids, you know, we have a great sample population Mm -hmm. to say, yeah, let's test it out on these kids, you know, in a lot of ways, like, you know, at least sometimes like, you know, the U16s I coach, like we're experimenting with stuff all the time. So why not kind of experiments with like what's working while teaching avalanches What's the worst that happens is, like, we start doing a lesson plan. The kids are, like, eating chips, not paying attention to us. And we're like, okay, you guys, let's, like, bring it back. Let's go down a different path now because, like, clearly we've lost everyone. Well, so let's get you reengaged. You I know? mean, what's we're the worst going to happen? You just gain time. a little bit of awareness now? Yeah. You know, a little bit of understanding of importance. It's like, you know, in these early stages, to me, it just seems like it's very hard to be detrimental you know what i mean the worst case scenario in my mind is just okay the kid knows a little something more now yeah and the coaches yeah and you know the parents too so let me let me segue into this uh next um kind of we talked about what we're doing for coaches obviously uh okay we've got this module we're trying to develop a little bit more uh regional opportunity for coaches to get more understanding um what kind of what where 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 are we at with the youth right now in terms of the kind of curriculum that is about is that you guys are trying to unroll unravel or um, present and then what other kind of ideas and things do you have for the kids specifically moving forward like what can you I know we've touched upon it a little bit, but can you like compact it into like some sort of like this is what we want. This is the plan. 
kind of idea. Yeah, and do you want it like the plan for everyone or just like I more think, specific to SBSEF and what we're doing? Here? No, I think the, the 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 global plan of how this how we take okay, we're we're going to educate the coaches. Fantastic. Then how does that trickle down into the kids? Where where what kind of specific like curriculums or implementations are are we going? Where are we going with that? So I mean, in terms of like, yeah, so it's, you know, educate the coaches. Hopefully then that leads to just having more conversations with the kids mm-hmm. coupled with, you know, more so on the East Coast, but some in the West too, like the Brass Foundation, they do a, they call it a Brass 101, mm-hmm. where they go into different schools, ski academies, ski clubs, um, whatever. And they have, you know, this specific Brass 101 curriculum that they're doing. Other avalanche forecasting centers, you know, that you get in touch with, they have kind of these youth avalanche awareness presentations that they're happy to deliver. We're doing stuff like that here in Sun Valley. Um, but also, too, you know, kind of the one of the goals moving forward with this module is to, you know, once it's rolled out, get some more feedback on it and then see how that can be adapted to maybe a shorter module. Um or something that then kids have to do really similar to kind of how safe sport has been adapted in some ways, but you know, a, a shorter module that then athletes would have access to that they can go through with their coaches or they can go through with their groups. Um, but that gives them some more knowledge too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think too, you know, just talking and being around and talking to Sasha and stuff, but I think just integrating more avalanche awareness type presentations into regional and national level projects. So for example, um, like this has actually been going on for a while in Colorado for the past couple of years is when all the teams are down there, like the Colorado Avalanche Information Center, someone from there has come in to Copper and done like an evening presentation that's open to all clubs and anyone that's training there. Um, And I've been to some of those before, and they've gotten huge turnout. You know, it's usually one person, you know, lecture style. But again, that's something that people are showing up. We're going to do something similar to that here at Thanksgiving camp. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's actually going to be a little bit different. We're going to do, you know, as part of pre-Thanksgiving camp, I guess, in Sun Valley, any visiting teams that sign up for it, they get and they will be scheduled for an hour and a half avalanche awareness presentation. We're trying to keep the group sizes smaller um, and have a hands-on kind of active component where you're doing a little bit with like beacons and companion rescue and then, you know, a classroom portion to it that won't be more than an hour and a half. Um, And, you know, the West, they are running, you know, a U16 project at that pre-Thanksgiving camp here and they're running a FIST project at that pre-Thanksgiving camp here. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think U.S. ski team coaches are looking for some of those opportunities when they're setting up camps now. And hopefully, too, it, like, trickles down into athletes through this module, but then also through it being integrated into camps just like you would integrate a mental skills session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Uh, Sorry, that wasn't a very succinct summary, but yeah. those would be my two bullet points at the end. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know... Integration into camps and projects. 
Well, I, I mean, at yeah. the same time, there's there's so there's only so much <laughs> that you you can you that there is to this so far. I mean, you know, you got to start like you said with the with the um, with the survey. I mean, we got to start somewhere. You know, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to get some awareness. I mean, <laughs> um, but it it seems to me from what I'm what I'm gathering here with all of your involvement is from the from the top to bottom, bottom to top. You're 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 got a pretty big role in kind of tying all these pieces together and streamlining them, right, to make them accessible to everybody no matter where you are in the country at this point, which is, uh, I think, a piece that was missing prior to that that was sincerely needed to be filled so that, um, you know, to ensure that this goes in the direction it needs to. And whereas I, I don't know if any, I think people knew that this needed it before, but I don't, it wasn't necessarily it needed the per, the right person to step up. So here we are. Ah, um, some of it's luck, some of it's right timing, and some of it's you know I have a pretty unique skill set. You know, sure. I understand you know specifically the Alpine community and like what's realistic demands. Like we had. Um, conversations a lot with the Brass Foundation and U.S. Ski and Snowboard. How can we do more training specifically for U.S. Ski and Snowboard coaches? Right. And so I'm going to go down in April and do a training, um, which will be myself and someone from the Utah Avalanche Center, specifically for U.S. Ski and Snowboard coaches. But it's that same idea that you, I just happen to have this unique skill set where I know what it's like to be a coach. I know the demands that are placed on our time. And so I know what's realistic too to ask of coaches. Mm -hmm. And then I know a little bit about like, you know, as when I wear the hat of avalanche instructor, I know the time requirements for that. I know the courses, I know the type of curriculum. And so it helps to have a foot in both doors to bridge that gap. And I mean, then I can I've asked a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people that are working on, yeah. you know, these projects. I think just me and the different hats that I can wear has helped connect people. Yeah, absolutely. And I can relate to that for sure. Um, one thing, and I don't mean to back up for a minute, but I, I just kind of want to understand uh, a little bit about the goals of, you know, because brass is not U.S. ski and snowboard. I mean, yes, it's in conjunction. There's a lot of people that are, that, that bridge both sides of those, those, those entities. But what are the goal? What's the goal of, what are, what's the main goal of brass? What's the main goal of U.S. ski and snowboard and all this? I mean, I think the main goal of brass is they have some other projects too that they've been working on that are outside of, you know, the U.S. ski and snowboard. Um, so, I mean, they're... Right, and you touched upon it, how they have this in, particularly in the East, I think you said, they've got a presentation Yeah, where the Grass 101 curriculum. They've right. also, you know, Cindy Burlack, she was over at the International Snow Science Workshop, I think it was last year, um, and, you know, talking to people, and one of, you know, the big things that she was working on was, you know, can we get avalanche warning signs in English right. in Europe, you know, and not just in whatever the, the language that's native to that, whether it's like French or German or Italian or whatever, but can we get some of these like 
avalanche warning signs when it's a high level day that are in English Mm -hmm. um, and kind of working on some projects like that. So, but I would say like in general, the, like my understanding of the Brass Foundation's mission is to really influence um, policies within U.S. Ski and Snowboard and the greater avalanche community, but kind of more policy driven of having an influence at that level. Mm -hmm. Um, For sure, you know, they, they still want and support avalanche awareness and education at all levels. Mm-hmm. But kind of priority being like policy and really working with USC and snowboard. Um, I think USC and snowboard, I've had great conversations with, like I said, Gar and Tiger Shaw that have been really helpful. You know, again, they have big jobs, yep. as we all know. They've got a lot on their plate. And I think that they've, in my experience, they've always been receptive to, you know, this is important. We do have a need. But again, like we were saying, they don't know exactly who to talk to or who to reach out to to kind of get this done. So, you know, these projects that have happened, you know, especially by like GAR has helped a lot driving some of these brass initiatives forward and, you know, taking the time to meet with the different players and say like, maybe you haven't heard from me in a little bit. This is what's going on in the side and let's make sure that we all circle back up soon to make sure this is going forward and then, you know, filling Tiger in on that um but i mean i think that u.s ski and snowboard too they see a need for it and they're realistic you know they're saying we already ask a lot of coaches what is a realistic way to roll out this education and then you know if we're gonna you know we've had conversations too about just some of the logistics of it which Mm -hmm. like i don't always think about you know initially you know but of like okay so if we create a module someone can't figure out the module and it's required to get their license, who do they call, right? Like before we roll out this module, we need to have that kind of tech side of it figured out, you know? So they've, they've put in work in a lot of different ways. And I think that they fully support all of these initiatives and just need some help in how to get it done sometimes, you know? And I think that's where the Brass Foundation has been really good for them to keep some of these topics from getting pushed to the back burner, you know, and saying like, hey, we might be a little bit of a squeaky wheel right now, but that's because we feel so strongly about this. Right. And we know that you care, you know, the greater community, because obviously everyone, you know, cares and supports what they're doing. And like, let's just keep trying to figure this out. You know, do we talk to someone else? Do we figure this out? So, um, so Brass, in a lot of ways, is an outsource of U.S. Ski and Snowboard to develop policy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then so and then U.S. Ski and Snowboard is a governing entity that helps implement it. Exactly. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, so I, I want to move back. I want to take a step towards uh, the club level, and in, in terms of like understand, you know. Uh, down the road here, we're going to have kids being able to, or coaches ga- gaining awareness, no matter where you are in the co- uh, in the country, uh, about kind of having some of these basic things. You know, part of, part of this to me is like, you know, everybody and their brother, at least in this neighbor neighborhood, is hard. Like I'm I'm skiing in bounds now, on every powder day with a beacon on. You know, it's not just if I'm going in the backcountry any longer. It's now it's like kind of all the time because, 
you know, it's almost like wearing a back protector. It's like, well, I might as well just wear it for every event now. Um, but, you know, having the tools, having all the right gear, that's one thing. But knowing how to use it is, in real, is really another. And that takes more than a classroom. So I'm just kind of curious. Oh, well, one is implementing that. Two is, can you speak to... For those of us who are, you know, club level folks, you know, uh, community based uh, coaches or volunteers, what are things that we could be doing? Like some simple things right now to help get this the ball rolling, even before U.S. ski snow and snowboard implements these policies. So I think one for just like people that are interested. And feel free to reflect on what we're doing here. Yeah. So I think just like in general, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're just interested in getting avalanche education, it doesn't always have to be a level one. Um, Like if you just kind of start looking at like, what is my local forecasting center? You know, whether it's like Sawtooth Avalanche Center, which is us here, you know, Colorado Avalanche Center, you know, and then. Um, they do a lot of free avalanche awareness presentations. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, you know, Jackson too, but like trying to... But if, if you, you... but if you're a big group, like a club, or and you've got, you know, a, you know that you can have an attendance of 20 plus or something like that. I mean, can't you at the same time say, hey, listen, I understand that you have these presentations set up for X, Y, and Z. Is there something that we can do where you come totally. to our club... Totally. And we have a like a, yeah. a meeting one day. or Yeah, so it's reaching out to um, avalanche centers. And so a great way to find that is if you go into the American Avalanche Association and then they have a link to a map of all the forecasting centers across the country. And is, there, is this ex- accessibility at the same level in the East? Because I feel like right, like, like – we're constantly evolving out here at a rapid rate because this is where a lot of this is occurring within the Intermountain West and, and Colorado and whatnot. But like the East Coast have something of this nature as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not as big necessarily of a network. But yeah. I think that's where, too, like if, if you're a coach from the East, um, you know, the first thing I would do is I would reach out to the Brass Foundation. Okay. See if you can get one of those Brass 101s. If you can't get that scheduled, there is a forecasting center in the east. It's kind of centered around Mount Washington. Mm-hmm. But, you know, getting in touch with someone from there saying, you know, we have a group of ski racers. You know, can you come and talk to us? They're usually going to do that for free. Okay. Right? And they want to do this outreach stuff. Um, you know, recognize, too, like, they only have so much funding. They only have so many employees. But I think also for... East Coast too, maybe then it's like there are some guide services in the East Coast reaching out to a guide service or, you know, you're bringing your kids out to Colorado for exactly. a camp, yeah. you know, reaching out to Colorado Avalanche Center, reaching out to, you know, and that's where, you know, I can be a great resource for people that just don't know how to implement it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or if I'm at a race anywhere with kids and you want me to give an avalanche presentation to your kids. You know, you tell me how much time you can give me. I can do something in 15 minutes. You know, I can talk for three days about this stuff. So, <laughs> like, you, you tell me the time, and I'm happy to kind of do that for any team or program. Um, but, you know, what we're, what we're doing here in Sun Valley, and it's, 
you know, it's different for every community. Like when I was in Jackson before, the landscape of how this was done was slightly different than how we're doing it here. But, you know, in Sun Valley, the Sawtooth Avalanche Center and the Friends of the Sawtooth Avalanche Center, they are going into schools. They're giving, you know, kind of, they're giving avalanche awareness presentations, usually to bigger groups. Um, the community school here in Sun Valley, they do a lot of in smaller groups, you know, avalanche awareness or level ones within the school as part of their school programs. And then we're just trying to complement all that what's going on. Like we're not trying to take anyone else's thunder, but we work with the friends of the Sawtooth Avalanche Center, the Sawtooth Avalanche Center, Sun Valley Guides, um, Sawtooth Mountain Guides. Um, and for our kids, we do a 45 to an hour long classroom presentation during dryland. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys are all nice enough to give up a dryland session to do this avalanche presentation. And then we do a two to three hour field-based presentation. And that is all at no expense to our athletes. And that is a piece that's really important to me. And I'm still obviously always trying to figure out like how we raise money for that and how we do that. And it's also really important to me that within SVSCF, we try and keep the ratios lower, especially yep. for the field sessions. Um, and those field sessions are all done inbounds. So we're not going out of bounds for that. So they don't need more gear. You know, we have access in this community to people letting us borrow beacons to borrow the gear so that athletes can have that stuff. For these and programs. these field days are the most vital and, and, and you know, two to three hours. I mean, that's one session of skiing Yeah. and you can still get your GS or slalom or super G in that morning, that afternoon, whatever. But this is, I agree with you. This is probably the most critical piece because this is where you're actually learning how to use the gear. Mm -hmm. so like so so and in terms looking at terrain too like a big right. piece of you know and I know I wasn't a part of yours last year because I was at a race but like a big part of all the ones that you know I was involved in teaching and talked to the other instructors about is too then you're actually in the mountains you yeah know, outside and it's way different when you're standing on you know for us on baldy saying okay what is avalanche training like what is 35 degrees right what should we be weary of versus looking at a slide Sure. You know, and I think that's or, or sitting in a classroom looking at a picture versus right. standing right there on the slope going, oh, so this is what 35 degrees looks like. Right. And we did some like, in one of my groups that I taught this year, like we just went to the terrain park and we measured slope angles, you know, because that's kind of the most confined space Yeah. where you have all these different angles. And we would look at like, you know, the landing of one jump and be like, could this slide, you know, just look at this angle. What do you think it is? And measured you know, slip angle stuff to just kind of start them thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, cause that is like a huge piece of just like, okay, how do we even navigate just like avalanche strain or what should we be wary of? First, you need to kind of know a little bit about what it looks like. Sure. Right. And start training your eye for that. Um, so that was like a fun piece to it for me. And yeah, having those taught by, people that have some level of, you know, avalanche instructor training is important to me. Um, working with go what's going on in your kind of local communities as well, which like I said, you know, here to Jackson, it's different. You know, there's some really cool stuff too going on in the far west. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, and they, they have some different avalanche problems than we do here. Yeah, and Alaska is for that matter, too. Alaska, yeah. So just, you know, and I think, too, the more coaches are involved in those, like, field sessions, then the kids are going to start asking you questions because you can get, like, the best guide that comes in and talks to your U14 group, right? Mm -hmm. But if the kids don't know them, they don't know why they're credible, yeah, they're going to listen to them, especially if you're listening to them. But then after, they're going to ask you questions so that if you have more knowledge too, you've done this module, you have some other outlets and resources, you might have a kid come up to you and be like, hey, Taco, like, do you, how steep do you think this is? You know, like, do you think this could slide? Or, you know, you're at Jackson free skiing with your kids and all of a sudden you're looking at terrain differently. So you're talking to the kids a little bit differently about terrain. And I think that in my mind is like, how we're going to get the kids interested in learning more and get coaches too asking for more resources. Like I know you started this podcast by saying like, let's talk about this from the top down. The way that I kind of see this continuing to grow is actually from the bottom up Mm -hmm. is like you get people from the top down talking about this more, but then you get the kids from the bottom up asking more questions well, isn't that, that that's that's essentially you know? how this whole thing works from the beginning, yeah. right? I mean, like I had a kid last year when I first moved here being like, hey, Lindsay, do you know about the hunting in zone 49? And I was like, I just moved here. I don't hunt. I think <laughs> I they were talking no about idea. 48. Oh, 48. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yes, right? Like I didn't yeah, ask right. me about that. And then, you know, for the next dry land, I like went to, you know, some other coaches and was like, hey, do you know what the elk situation is like in this zone? Because I kind of got to get back to that kid. You know, tell him something. <laughs> I just gave him like, like I was just like, dude, I don't know. Like, you know, and then, but like facilitated conversations with like our strength and conditioning coach who is a big hunter. Right. And was like, hey, this is who you need to be talking to. He's been hunting in this valley for years. Right. And I see that kind of being the same thing is that if coaches are thinking about it more, then kids are going to start asking questions and then you're going to be like, who can you talk to about this? You right. know, and I've really seen that. I would say like the community or network I felt that the most amongst is actually some of our fist boys here who I like, we had a high avalanche day here last year and you know, we have some terrain here that from the bottom standing at warm springs lift you, it's out of bounds. You can see it. It was high avalanche danger day. I saw them skiing it. And they came down, they all had beacon shovel probes, you know, and I stood there and I waited for them and I was like, hey guys. And we just started like talking. I was like, why, you know, did you read the forecast this morning? They're like, yep. They had like a lot of good answers. And I was like, still like, do you think, even though everyone's doing it, like, is this a good day to like be skiing that? Like, could that still slide? You know? And we just had like a cool conversation and then it's like, even come to like one of our PG athletes was talking the other day and he was like, you know, Lindsay, I really want to get more into rock climbing. Like I want to start lead climbing rock. Like, do you know of any ways like this fall that I can get more into it? You know? And that's like the cool piece to me. And I feel like, especially for whatever reason, like some of the fist guys here have just started asking me a little bit more. And it relates to the point that you were saying too, is like, yeah, in reality, only a pretty small percentage of our athletes are going to go on to make it to the national team or to be in a ski movie or to go to the Olympics or to race in college. Like, that's hard. 
mm-hmm. right? But, like, all of our kids, like, I think you and I really agree with this, and a lot of coaches out there, like, we want to see them enjoying skiing or snowboarding for their whole life. Mm-hmm. And this is, this avalanche education is, like, a huge piece of that and it's so easy and you know over the years there's a lot of athletes that I've seen like you know they get out of college or they go to college and they get more into backcountry skiing and they're these incredible athletes they can ski anything but they don't know the uphill piece Mm -hmm. you know and there's some great ski guides out there but then there's also some ski guides that you know are U14s are better skiers than Right. You know, and so in these programs too, as we're doing it, I think it's really important or what's really important to me is that we're like mixing and matching the right guides or the right instructors with the right group. Um, Like for our snowboard team here last year, yeah, I could have given them an avalanche presentation. If they ask me a lot about split boarding gear, I have a baseline of knowledge. I've guided split boards. I've put them together. But I don't know what rides well in the split board world versus like what doesn't. So, you know, I got a local split board guide from here to, you know, who's a fully certified IFMGA guide, you know, and he took a half day and he talked to our snowboard team, you know, and they asked him all these questions that like I would not have been able to advise them well on, you know, specifically about gear. And at the, you know, at the end, you know, we did our avalanche awareness stuff and whatever. And he brought up some nuances of like being on a snowboard. This is how it's different. You know, if you're like actually in a rescue, like things that I just would not have taught to as well. You know, like I'd learned from that session. And then when the mountain closed, we spent like an hour inside and he had kids skinning around the training center on split boards and like actually feeling the gear and gave them a gear talk you know, specifically about that, you know? So that was one that I like walked away and I was like, okay, yeah, I did some teaching today, but like, I think I learned way more. Yeah, right on. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just from listening to the conversation. So I think that's like a key piece. And, you know, just like, you know, we know too, there's some great people out there with tons of avalanche knowledge. There's some great people out there that are great at teaching adults, but they don't really like working with certain age groups of kids. And so pairing it well mm-hmm. so that they can kind of speak their language. And that's been some feedback, at least in this community, that um, has I've gotten really good feedback from, like, the guide services and the instructors. And I'm like, whoa, that was really – that, like, challenged me in a different way to come in and talk to a group of kids. Right. You know, or, like, that was really cool. And that's really helped, like, how I led my next avalanche course, you know, to just, like, see it from a different perspective. So – I do think there's a lot of people that want to just get involved in this. Like they want to be, be a part of this and they see the benefits. And I don't know, obviously I'm pretty excited about it. All. Oh, well, it's, <laughs> you're sharing a passion and that's, that's pretty much what, uh, what we're all doing here. It's certainly no one's, no one's in, 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 uh, if we're all interested in getting rich, we'd certainly be elsewhere right now. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, you talk about people getting in touch with you. What's the best way that, that we can be getting in touch with you? Um, definitely my email. Mm-hmm. So L, as in Lindsay, man, M-A-N-N, at svsef.org. Okay. And I, like, genuinely mean that. You know, like, I was emailing 
this fall with um, the executive director of Waterville Valley Black and Blue Trail Smashers. Yeah. But, you know, and she was like, are you coming back east anytime? You know, could you come and do a presentation at Waterville? And I was like, yeah, it doesn't look like I'm going to get back east in the fall, but talk to the Brass Foundation, like do their programs. So I really mean that, like if you're sitting here listening to this podcast or if you're standing on the side of the hill and you're saying, I want to do more, I don't know how, I am happy to help that out. You yeah. know, I want to like help connect you with people. If I can do something for you, awesome. If I can't, I want to connect you with someone that's going to be good with kids and that's going to want to come in and deliver some sort of program. And a lot of times too, I can help be that liaison. So it doesn't have to be an extra cost. It doesn't have to be like this big, scary time commitment of like, how am I going to fit three more hours into the you know, day when it's always already crunched. You know, there's a lot we can do and to just start with a little amount of time. Like, I genuinely believe that just, you know, something's better than nothing. Well, and just like Brass is doing for the U.S. Ski and Snowboard by putting us in the front of their minds, making it a priority, we as clubs and as coaches and on the ground level need to make this a priority for us as well. And because we know that, this is going to take up more time from already the limited time that we have from trying to just coach in general. But by making it a priority, uh, we make it a, a lifestyle implementation that be, in, in, uh, becomes effective for uh, the kids moving forward and, and just making a healthier, safer environment for them all. So, yeah, and I think there's so many aspects too. Like backcountry skiing is like... I mean, in the evolution of just my personal skiing, right, it's it's so much about trusting your partners out there. Yeah. You know, and we talk so much about, like, team culture. How do we, like, facilitate team culture in this landscape where it's, you know, an individual sport, but we are a team. We travel as a team. And I think that another way that I look at all of this is that if you need more tools of, like, different ideas of how to build team culture – all this avalanche awareness or mountain awareness stuff can really fit into that Mm -hmm. too. And I think, you know, that's something that we've seen snippets of here and I hope that we can like build on more, but it can tie in a lot of what we're trying to teach coaching to in just a slightly different environment. And there can be a lot more rewards than even just like learning a little bit more about the mountains. Absolutely. I love the way you just said that. Lindsay, thank you so much for having the time to clearly articulate what we're doing moving forward and what um, what this is all about. Uh, I, I, I sincerely believe in what it is that we're doing here and that you're spearheading and uh, your leadership in this is quite invaluable at this point in time. Yeah, and just the last thing I want to say too is um, obviously the Brass Foundation huge resource too for mm. coaches as well and their website i believe is just brassfoundation.org mm-hmm. um, and they're psyched to to help anyone with these brass 101 so that's another great resource terrific thanks taco thank you Lindsay. And there you have it Lindsay man and the maps program you've been listening to peace stop ski racers podcast brought to you by nordica and keller williams sun valley southern idaho you are not going to want to miss the next episode i am telling you right now this is one of the highlights of my peace stop career and 
certainly going to be one of the most memorable episodes we've ever had. Up next, Darren Rouse.